0: Hey everyone, welcome to this week's Going in Circles Big Monday show. My name is Charles Simon. My co-host, Mr. Barry Spears, will be with us in just a minute. Barry is going to tell us all about his trip to the Pegasus. He was there with our guy Sid on uh, on Saturday. So we'll hear about the day and get his observations on some of the races. Um, We'll discuss a couple things that... uh, that happened this weekend, uh, of course the, the Pegasus races themselves and the outcome. Um, I'm going to talk about my take on, it's more of a philosophical take than anything about, uh, about the customers, about the day-to-day people that, that support this business every day and how they're kind of getting priced out of our best races and our best days and, uh, I don't really like that philosophy, to be honest with you, but we'll talk about that. We'll get Barry's thoughts on the the subject, and uh, we'll talk about uh, a lot of other things like, uh, well, it's triple crown season, and Bob Baffert can't run in the derby, so we'll have to talk about that too, along with uh, his uh, blowout winner, Arabian Night in the Southwest, and uh, the current debacle in the derby preps in the state of California. All right, we'll be back here in just a minute. So, did you make it back from uh, from Gulfstream yet?
1: Yes, I, you know what, I, I made really good time because um, usually, like, I'll eat dinner after the races somewhere. You know, I usually grab dinner. This time I didn't because I was I was in a place where. I ended up grazing all day. Not good for my diet, but the food was good. Okay. Give him a salute. But yeah, I got home before midnight.
0: That's not a bad, uh, not bad, not bad time. Um, just before we really get started, it's a little bit of a, a somber day for, for both Barry and I as a friend of ours a friend of many, many people in racing. Uh Carrie Du Places um passed away this morning and uh was kind of an uh, affected thing. Um he was not a not a he was in his forties and uh you know just just the biggest fan of racing that you could imagine and a happy guy you know that was the key to him he just was oh, man he was just a happy guy and everybody liked him and this is racing and, you know racing, <laughs> there's, there's always people that you, you hate but no one hated him everybody loved him and uh, he was a fixture in new york when he lived up there and he uh moved here i guess five six years ago down to florida and um yeah, that was kind of a, a tough thing. I, I just had been texting with him Saturday morning because he uh he sent me a text about eight thirty asking if I had an extra <laughs> ticket for the Pegasus which is something he would do all the time, um, you know, last minute. But uh but man it was uh it was it was hard to, it's it's just, you know, one of those things that hits you at a left field because I mean, he's a, you know, he's not an older guy. He's not been sick
1: and, and um, active, very active. He, you know, he had his job where, you know, he was fixing refrigeration. Um, so he was always on the go, you know, between, you know, most of South Florida, he was driving all over the place and and doing stuff. Um, it's just, it's crazy. It hits, it hits really home for me um, because of what, I went through personally when I was sick and how close I was to dying. And it just doesn't make any sense why he died. And I didn't, Um, my heart goes out to his family, his kids, everybody.
0: Yeah. He's a two, two daughters. Um, Just kind of, uh, you know, I just don't know what what else to say. I mean, it's just uh, a shame. I I know he was very, very close with uh, Nick um, Mark Cassie's assistant. They were pretty much best friends. And yeah, uh, absolutely. (laughs) I brought Carrie to a Dolphins game, and he was a Jets fan. (laughs) Like the only Jets fan that like you. So we went to the Dolphins game and we are sitting there, and I don't remember what happened, but there was something happening in the game. I look over and he, he's watching uh, he's watching Belmont on his phone. you know he couldn't, he couldn't let it go just even for 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 10 minutes.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's like a lot of us in the in the industry and people that love the game and stuff, you know, and, and I know that a thousand percent he loved this game.
0: Yeah, he did, and and he was, you know, friends with everybody, and, and he just, just, uh, it's a tough one to, to, to take, and uh, <laughs> just one quick story about him. He he was living not too far from where I was living in uh, Parkland, and he was he was not feeling well for a couple of days, and he calls me up one day. He says, "I, I need a big favor," and I was like, "All right, whatever. What do you need?" And he said, "I'm going to send you a list of stuff." And I need you to get it for me. And don't ask any questions. So I'm like, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so he sends me a list. Uh, you know, he, he sends it, uh, takes a writes it down, and takes a picture of it and, and, and texts it to me. And I read it and I'm like, dude, what is this? And he's like, I was like, where am I supposed to get this? And it was all kind of, you know, he he was from um, Barbados. So he, he was, uh, he had all this uh jamaican witch doctor stuff you know and <laughs> i was like dude where do i get this and and he, and he said there's one store and it's and I'll give it the address and, um just give the lady the thing and, and she'll get it for you so i was like all right so i go in there and <laughs> i find this place and uh, <clears throat> i walk in and the lady's looking at me you know and i'm like my friend is sick and then and he said you know this list and She's like, oh yeah, carry, carry, you know. So she's getting the stuff, and it's like chickens, like uh, <laughs> glade, chicken fingernails. Like, like, yeah, I mean, <laughs> like octopus lungs, and I mean all this food <laughs> and stuff. And I'm like, Ugh. So
1: that's that's like a that's just. And, and unique, I remember asking him, the what prime do you, What do you care with
0: this? Like, how do you, you know? It was, oh I make a I a boil soup. it, I make a tea and drink it.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I said to him, This is either gonna gonna uh, make you healthy real quick or it's gonna turn you into like Aquaman. Uh, but uh yeah, it was it's it's tough when people it just seems like so many people lately have have passed away. Um and we're not talking about elderly people that um it's always hard when you lose anyone but you know when when someone is is gets up there in age it just doesn't come as that big of a, a shock anymore but um you know guys who were healthy and I just like I said just, just talking to him the other day just uh anyways <sighs> um you know he did make it to the pegasus <laughs> So he got in, yeah. He did get in. Uh, speaking of which, you got in and yeah, you were up in the. Uh, you weren't in the in the the, the super high rise, um, places, but you were up uh, hobnobbing with, with our guy Sid
1: and uh, the Fifty Crew. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, hanging out in the owners' lounge and, you know, had a great time. I mean, it's so much fun and and it, you know, events like that, like not even the event itself, but a big racing day when you're on track, at least for me, like even, even at like Sam Davis, which isn't a huge stakes day, but it's, you know, things like that. Whenever there's a, a, a nice race day, I mean, and you go to the track, it always reminds me of how much I love the sport and how great it, it really can be. You know, I, I know sometimes on Twitter and social media and, and, you know, with all the problems and things that, that are going on, sometimes it's good just to kind of get away from that and the, and the spiraling down into negativity and, and, and have a good racing day like that. Like, I mean, honestly, as far as racing goes, it wasn't the, you know, and, and I know everybody's heard this a million times, it wasn't a star studded horse card. There wasn't any superstars on that card, but every race was competitive. Every field was big. I think there was one race that was seven, seven, uh, seven entries. Um, But the rest were over that. And, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, favorites at all, really. And it was, it was just a really good day of racing. And it was it was good to feel that way, especially at the beginning of a year. Hopefully that momentum you carry, but, you know, I wouldn't hold my breath. <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: I wrote a piece that I think some people took the wrong way about the Pegasus and the turn this year to making it a super expensive event. Mm-hmm. Yes. And... You know, it's not that I'm anti-Pegasus Day, because I'm not. I've been to every single one of them other than this year. You and I go every year, and we have a great time. And it's an event, no doubt. And it's part of the calendar. <clears throat> but there is a theme in racing that has quietly kind of bubbled to the surface, which is... Pricing our biggest days um, has just gotten a little bit out of control. And you can call it supply and demand. You can call it a big event. You can call whatever you'd like. But the leaders of racing are, are often clueless about racing. And the people that actually support it not just the billionaire owners and not just the, uh, the computer assisted wagering teams (laughs) and the people at the top of the food chain, because, you know, we used to be able to see good cards like we had Saturday a lot and that, that we don't have that anymore. So a day like that, is a little bit it, it's a better thing for horseplay for for people who, who follow the game it, it's it's because of the weakness of the other cards and when you start to to price these things um at extreme prices and i think 125 to walk in a place with no place to sit nothing you know is, is really attached to that that that's an extreme amount of money um
1: well, yeah. Considering on any, literally any other day, you get it for free. Yeah, it's it's just uh,
0: the whole. I, I guess uh, I'm not trying to be Robin Hood here, speaking up for the, the, you know, the, the <laughs> oppressed, but that's kind of what I'm. My theme was was that the pegasus is not really anything more than the Don Handicap souped up. It doesn't decide anything. It's not a part of the Eclipse Award um, championship. It it hasn't been, put it that way. It's more of a coronation for a horse's prior season than anything. Uh, The biggest names outside of Nick's go, who went on to win the Horse of the Year after winning the Pegasus. For the most part, the other horses retire. And um, well, I guess I guess uh, life is good last year as well, carried on, but uh, he didn't obviously win a horse of the year or any eclipse awards. But I guess the point is that um, it's, it's not the Travers, it's not the Triple Crown races, it's not um, a race that is part of the The rest of the year it's a kickoff race that doesn't have many good horses kicking off anymore and that's going to be worse than that going forward i think because as sid explained a couple weeks ago uh, about the dynamics of the stallion game and first year stallions and the the amount of uh, revenue that they're generating which is a tremendous amount a three million dollar race just isn't gonna cut it anymore. And I would bet if you ask cybernize people if they wish they had skipped the race, I'm sure at this point they would say yes. Because honestly, um and it sounds you know, kind of crazy in, in some ways, but one point five million dollars doesn't really mean that much in the grand scheme <laughs> if, if seasons to him are selling for seventy thousand dollars pop. Uh so I think that the there it'll be wary. Um, it'll be a wary market heading proceeding forward. Uh, I, I don't think I think. The cyber knife story has shown that. Uh, you don't need to win the Pegasus, and it's not really going to help your stallion status. When you think that. Cyberknife got beat in the Breeders' Cup in the first week of November and his seasons started selling and his, he was going to study, you know, announce the 35,000 and he didn't do anything between, uh, uh, the first Saturday in November and, you know, the end of the year, he did nothing. He went to be shown as a stallion prospect that, uh, spent i think for for a week or so and uh went back into training and yet his the popularity went went through the roof and i think that's just a sign that you're not really going to have to do anything if you're by a, a top sire and you're considered a, a hot stallion prospect so the pegasus just isn't going to be uh that draw and remember the pegasus was a 12 million dollar race when they first started. Um, and the concept was fine at the time, but life changes in this business, in any business, uh, especially this one. When you think about the addition of uh, the Saudi Cup a month later, uh, in between the Pegasus and Dubai, you have now horses making a choice. It, this isn't the 80s. There's no more John Henrys that are going to run. In all of the, the spots. And I think life is good actually going to Dubai after winning uh, the Pegasus. And then kind of bombing in Dubai. that That's probably not a good sign either. So it's not that I'm against the Pegasus World Cup Day. But it just feels like it's it's a reason to have a party and that's more focused than the actual people who support the business and support the game on a day-to-day basis and um that that's kind of a long way of of saying that uh i think the thing needs i think they have to be cognizant that and and i don't know I, maybe i'm wrong maybe they don't care maybe that, that this is actually what they want it's just kind of an elitist attitude and now they're announcing that they are going to have another Pegasus at Santa Anita. And I I just don't understand because let's be clear about the Pegasus and the card. This is just the same races that they've always had called a different name. (laughs) The Pegasus is is the Don with a bigger purse. Um, The you know the the other races they they existed before this oh yeah you're the just, Hooper the McKnight. up there's nothing unique about this having yeah. celebrities there and all that stuff regular racing people do not care about that that is not what they care about and you said it it's there's always an energy to a big racing day which is is something that that I think everyone can look forward to and appreciate but when you you make things as expensive as as they have uh i just think that you, you may lose people because if, our, if if our people can't if the day-to-day people cannot access the best horses and the best racing without paying through the nose um i don't know i mean the derby is is kind of different
1: yeah that's kind of an outlier in itself like that's, that's a whole orbit of its own. Um, one thing that stood out to me, actually, is uh, the lack of betting windows and tellers. And we were in the Ten Palms. So I know, it, you know, kind of space in there is a little bit limited as far as, you know, with betting and, and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I saw one lady that was walking around taking bets, but I, I didn't really see her take any which was kind of concerning. Um but you could definitely tell there was there was a lot of people they're not betting. Um or at least it felt that way. I you know, I didn't really analyze the the handle numbers or anything like that. Um <clears throat> but the weather cooperated which was a plus. Um you know, you know, there's it's it's such a gift and a curse with an event like that because, like you said, it costs too much for the the people or the the backbone of of the industry or, you know, for lack of a better word, um, with the people that support Gulfstream on a regular basis weren't in there, and and that that's got to be you know. It's kind of a slap in the face slash gut punch to guys that, you know, play often, but don't want to spend or think they need to spend $125 just to get in to watch the racing and play the races. I mean, that $125, they'll definitely put through the window. So I, I honestly don't understand charging for general admission. Some of the other stuff, maybe, you know, I get because you're getting other perks and, you know, like with the concert and, you know, with the seats and the food and all that kind of stuff. That part I get, but getting in the door should be just like normal day. And if you really, you know, get froggy, you know, charge $10, $20. And I, I wouldn't even go more than 50 if they really want to do that, but it should be reasonable for everyone to get in so everyone can play the races. Playing the races means more handle, more money, so on and so forth. I mean, it, it's not rocket science. It's, it's you know, it's like Hansel and Gretel breadcrumbs. Just follow that lead. Yeah. I mean, I don't
0: want to get into the semantics of what they should charge or what they shouldn't charge. Yeah. No, it's just the theme, the, the, I mean, right? Like, you can't and, lead and, with and, that I'm, because listen, that's willing not the normal I'm, thing. I'm sure doesn't listen to our show, right? Uh, because hey, it's about horse racing, and I don't think she really cares about horse racing. But there's no one that probably works for her that's willing to tell her this. All of the things that you want to do have failed, and they won't, don't work, and they never will work because people that people that are your customers, the people that bet on your races, and the vast majority of the ones that own your horses, that compete at your tracks. They don't care about these people. They don't care about influencers. They don't care about fashion. They don't care about celebrities. They don't care about the the concerts. None of them care. None of them. They have tried all these things and has not worked. Nothing worked. When Stephen Ross bought the Dolphins about a decade ago, the first announcement he made was he was bringing in celebrity um, minority owners. Uh, he was bringing in um, Mark Anthony was going to own a sliver of the team. Yeah, and Williams that. is going to own that. a sliver of the team. And, a, and, and I remember the Dolphin fans, which are generally a pretty uh, cranky bunch, but um, people were were appalled. They said, what we don't care about this, <laughs> you know, and, and he, he said, We're gonna add luxury seating, and it, it, it was almost like what they're doing here. And everyone bulked and went nuts and said, This is not what we don't care about any of this. Get better players, we just want to win, we just want the team to win games. We don't care about all this other nonsense. And it took them a long time before they finally figured out that all that other stuff doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that when the team is playing well, the people will, will, will climb over themselves to support it. When they're not playing well, they won't. And it's, it's the same with Goldstream. If you put up or, or any track, any track, not just Goldstream, not just picking on Goldstream, because this is something that, that happens other places as well. Um, but, if you put a poor product on the on the track, if, if the races aren't appealing and they're small fields, three or five shots, hmm. it doesn't matter if you have Madonna, you know, riding the lead pony. It don't matter. People don't. This isn't this isn't a business that, that where your revenues are created through merchandise or or, or ticket sales or any of the, of the other thing. It, you're 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 making money by selling bets. That's where you're making your core money. Um, you know whatever else they do on the property or, or owning different things under that umbrella, that that has nothing to do with us. We're talking about from a racing standpoint, and this is a big mistake that racing makes on a whole, in that they they look for gimmicks. And this is not a new thing. Racing has looked for gimmicks for a while. Sports betting is not going to save you. Sports betting will likely... keep. Well, you're back, but um, to get back to our conversation, the reason that there was a lot of money bet on Saturday was because the product that was offered was good. And that is something that just doesn't happen that much. And in this business, we're always looking for gimmicks. Sports betting. Sports betting isn't going to save racing. it probably kill racing. Sports betting, that, that – a sports better is, is along the same demographic and same mindset as a horse player. This isn't like adding slots where you're going to add revenues, but you're not really going to detract from – your your handle base because most of those people wouldn't be major players of any sort because it's a completely different mentality and this is something we've gone over before it's not new but i think that's the 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 thing that if you were analyzing this as a business venture you would say hey you had no stars on on the right there was no star horses and, you know, you can call the jockeys and trainers, stars, whatever, you're, but they race every day, you know? <laughs> Like, <laughs> Aaron Ortiz is a great jockey, but he, he rides 300 days a year, so it's not like it's, it's a, uh, um, it's like Pete Rose, right? Pete Rose has probably signed more autographs than any person in the history of baseball because, A, he, he needs the money to keep up his gambling habit, and he's been doing it for like 50 years now. So the, the, the value of a Pete Rose autograph just isn't very much because literally everyone that wants one can have one. And that's the same thing with, with watching you know the trainers or the jockeys. They, they race all the time. <laughs> it's not like, uh, you know, hey, you know, he's, he's only gonna ride twice this month and you better come out and see it. So uh, And that's really one of the arguments I have against. The the argument that uh, the argument against the argument that we're <laughs> racing, you know, pricing it like this is the other sporting events are priced, you know, like that.
1: But it's not the same thing. It's not the same thing. Not even close.
0: Uh, if you go to the Heat game. Well. The Heat's bottom line is not affected by how much money you bet on the game. You know, the Heat wants you to come in and buy a soda, buy a t-shirt, sit there. But that's where they make their money up front. Racing makes their money when people wager. So to charge the same prices or higher in this case, it's just a, it's a weak excuse. We're not a real sport. Call it what you want, but we're just not a real sport. But, um. And, and we're finding out um, where we, we we actually rank in the hierarchy of sports fans slash okay. horse players, because they're going to bet up two billion dollars this this month on sports in New York alone, and one, it's a short month. One state's going to do two billion dollars. That's a sixth of what we do in racing the whole year. The entire year, all all across all the racing states. Uh, And I think that's the thing, is that we the the people, the powers that be, they just don't grasp that. It's not probably sexy to think, and it's probably not something that is going to grab headlines, but you really need to have a better product. You're not offering people a good product anymore. The racing at virtually across the board just isn't that good. And I just think it stinks that on a day that it is good that you want to charge people through the nose and, and call it something else when it really isn't, it really isn't. It, it's, it's just a good day of racing. It's nothing special there's no historical significance. There's, there's really nothing that's happening. There's no one that's running. That's, that's particularly special. If you had a bunch of five horse fields on Saturday, <laughs> they, they would have handled 30% less. And I, and I just, um, like I said, I, I'm, I'm sure Belinda doesn't listen. I'm sure no one that works for Belinda listens, but, uh, at some point, someone that needs to tell it, listen, uh, this isn't actually working. Like, this isn't actually helping <laughs> racing, <laughs> you know? The, this isn't this isn't a new way of looking at things. This is just, uh, you know, so how, how they're going to have a Pegasus at the Santa Anita, I, I don't
1: grasp that. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't get how they're going to get horses, horses I mean, there. Right. But, you know... Uh, it's 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 like this thing where it seems like they care more about the event than they do racing and that's not where you want to be you know because you, you know you got to always keep in mind the everyday patron and and it's like that that concept i don't know where it got lost but there's somewhere I would say probably in late 90s, 2000, probably with the explosion of of ADWs, that they stopped trying or stopped understanding their customer. And, you know, everything has suffered from that point in time to the present. And it's just continuing to go downhill. Um, And I don't understand how nobody's picked up on it enough to try to right the ship. I mean, you see things here and there, but there's no collective effort to to rectify any of that. And they're just completely lost when it comes to decisions made to do certain things in order to drum up more business. And it's like they're totally lost. I read
0: uh, somewhere, someone was saying that on the live feed or on the the ABR feed that they were talking about sports betting and 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 how you're going to convert sports betters to racing. Um and I guess someone had mentioned um <laughs> like uh, racing's very complicated and and it's just like you're hundred and eighty percent going the wrong way here. Horse racing has been around for 150 years, legal in this country. It's been they've been wagering on it for over 100 years. Sports betting legally is only five or six years old now. We all know that sports wagering has been around forever, but legally, where anybody can put a, get a bet down, you don't have to know a guy named Guido, you know. And racing is not complicated, and, and this is the one thing I, I just want to try to like. If you think racing and reading the form is complicated, then you're dumb.
1: <laughs> Got to be because I, I learned how to read it when I was eight years old. So that, exactly. that's, that's how I learned
0: me. fractions by, by watching harness races and figuring out, you know, what, what the, the, the quarter was. But it's it's like it's not difficult. It's not complicated. It's not complicated at all. I mean, stop acting like it's racing is is a simple sport. It's the simplest of sports. The horses run in a circle. They go from point A to point B. That's it. That's racing. It's not. Are there a lot of other subtleties and 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 and? Of course, but it's not that difficult. It's like basketball. <laughs> what's the what's the object of basketball? Putting the ball in the hoop.
1: And, scoring and more points than the, the other team, pre- preventing
0: the other team from putting in the hoop—that's what it break breaks down to. Is it complicated once you get to a certain level? And, and and of course, but it's like they don't understand either. They they don't get sports betting. Sports betting isn't just you know betting two hundred on the uh, on the under.
1: Right. There's a lot of nuances to it.
0: There's a lot more. And 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 listen, I think most people who bet sports are just
1: insane uh, not insane but um on the edge
0: th- there was a, a poll taken uh, i think like 2 years ago and this was straight face like 64% or 70% of the people who were polled thought that if they, they they could they could beat the books betting sports because they, what? they didn't beat sports that well yeah yeah and and the, and the number's probably 1% probably less than one especially now (laughs) especially these days where they just if you win they 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 cut you off so there's a you know you're or or the the numbers that they're giving are just you know the the odds are just poor um but racing is not that complicated unless you're dumb and that's the thing If if you have no desire to learn it then you're not gonna be a real customer anyway And if you are and you can't grasp it, then you're not going to be a good customer anyways. You're never going to win. I can go and teach someone how to play a slot machine in in five seconds. Press this button. And the truth of the matter is it doesn't matter if they play for uh, 10 minutes a, a, a year or they play every single day. In the end, it's going to be the same because there's not there's nothing involved other than pushing a button and random luck. Racing isn't like that. And that's the thing that people just don't seem to understand. You need to have some sort of analytical bend to you. Otherwise, you're going to lose all the time. And, and racing is going to the races and wagering and losing every time. You have to think at some point you can make money. And not talking about putting a spreadsheet out and tracking your bets every day and which probably if, if you're going to bet a significant amount of money should do but for a regular person if you're just gonna go a couple times a month or you're just gonna you know play from home or whatever you have to think that hey I can I can figure this out because it's a puzzle and I, I can have a, a chance of, of doing well uh, I mean look at the 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 trust the profits contest mm-hmm all right during the second week, the first two weeks um, were the Lecompt. And last week, or, you know, this past week was the, the Southwest. Southwest yeah. And you get a $100 bankroll and you can make one bet. Um, well, you can make one bet, but like you, you could box an exact or you could, you know, use one horse over four horses or whatever. You just can't make a series of bets. Well, it's hard to make any money in these races when you have short a one to five shot.
1: You have this short weekend. fields
0: and a prohibitive, prohibitive favorite. It's, it's difficult because this is the parameters that, that exist. But um, it does, It almost doesn't matter what you do, the, the prices are going to be, be low unless you could get the longest shot in the field to win. And then that just throwing darts, which unfortunately is, is how some of these contests are won. My guys would just throw darts, and, and you know, if, if one bomb wins, then they're right in it. And if two bombs win over the course of the contest, then they win. Um, and I'm not. It, it's I'm not.
1: Uh, I mean, it's a strategy. Fun. Yeah,
0: but no. But but I guess the point is that you know, um, you have to have a, a product to sell people, and the product isn't all the other bells and whistles the product is a competitive race of with a good sized field and if you just have that you're gonna do well you're gonna do well it's frustrating i think that's the thing that that more than anything it's frustrating for me to see
1: um just because well, we know what what racing was like in the 90s and the you know in the 80s and it's just a shell of what it used to be it's what you well, said though Barry it's
0: the lack of focus on the things that matter and the 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 um the dedication to the things that don't and then being told that well this is you know new it's not it's not new the, that same racetrack, goldstream Park, on the same on, on those same hallowed grounds. They well, they
1: used to hold up <laughs> the the logic though doesn't even make sense with adding another one because if the event is elite on its own, why would you need two of them?
0: Well, they they get very caught up in in um branding. Maybe you could. I mean, it's not. It, it's sort of branding, but. Like they're having a tour, the Stronic First Racing Tour, but there is no tour. <laughs> it's No tour. There's nothing that, that that binds these things together. It's just races. It's oh, it's leg two, leg three. It, there's nothing. There's no, you know. It, it ends with the Preakness, Preakness Day. That's not a tour. That that's just a series of races that are owned by the same people. You're, you're just counting out one, two, three, four, five. <laughs> and we've talked about how to do it. You want to have it, you want to put a series of races together? Well, fine. But you have to put a series of races together that, that makes same, sense of the same uh, caliber. Right. You, know, <laughs> you, just, you, you can't just... Say, oh well, you know this and then that, and then this and then that. There's there's virtually no uh, crossover between California horses and East Coast horses in the winter time. You're you're either there, or you're here, and for the most part, they're not there anymore. They're not in California, and we'll get to that in a little bit. <laughs> yeah, but um, I mean. Listen, the, the one part that's unsaid, and I know this is exactly what someone from there would tell me, well, Belinda puts up the purse money for those races, which she does, out of her pocket, which probably causes the event to lose money. And that's my problem. You know, ain't my money, but how long can a person put on events that, that don't make money? That's a good question. You think dirt? You think they make money on Derby Day?
1: Kentucky Derby, like Churchill?
0: <laughs> it's kind of a rhetorical question. <laughs> it's a company that trades for like, a shares trading for like two hundred sixty dollars on the stock market. And <laughs> I was going to say, man, half of the revenues derived from that weekend. So, you know, I yeah. didn't read
1: the room properly. My bad. Yeah, they make money, you know. I know. I was going to say they make tons of money. <laughs> No, but it, it, like you said, frustrating is the, the, the best word for it because, you know, we've seen better days and we see what it can be. But it's yes. all about controlling the controllables. And for whatever reason, we, this sport does a horrible job doing that. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it's, it's,
0: it's like fixed odds. I, I was talking about this with the, uh, a racing official who reached out the other day and was, we discussed it and he wanted my opinion and I told him, I said, I think it's a gimmick and a, I think in a track, I think New York has shown that you can fix that problem for the most part just by cutting the, the 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 computers out of the wind pool with two minutes to go. I mean, you don't see odd changes like that in New York anymore. Not drastic, not during the race. It's not really a problem because they were causing it, despite the rhetoric. Oh well, this blah, the thirty seconds and it takes a, it never happened before, and it and it never and in that particular circuit it doesn't happen really anymore, and it's not even a big deal now. the The exotic wages have wagers have have uh, have paid off at least it seems lower because that money has been transferred I'm sure somewhere else because remember one thing the computer players are volume players because they get rebates so if you're betting just throwing this number out 100,000 a day um and 30% of it was win wagers and they made it where you're not comfortable betting into that pool because there's too many shifts and odd shifts that, you know, after um, you know, with between the two minutes and, and when the race goes off and remember, for, for them, they may be betting five horses in the race. It's all dependent on, on return. If they grind out five or ten percent, they're doing great because they get rebates. That money is going to go somewhere else because they need the rebate on that thirty percent. So it'll go to exactus or it'll go to whatever other pools that they're wagering in. Um. So do I believe fixed odds is, is a big deal? No, I I don't, I don't I just don't see it as a a, a big, um.
1: I just don't see it as as a, as a big. It's not a big help. It's not. It's not really gonna. I think it's. Just, <laughs> it, you know, It's just the gimmick.
0: And and from a racetrack standpoint, and we got into talking about it, you know, technically from the racetrack standpoint, and I said the the difficulty for a racetrack to operate two different forms of wagering on the same race is hard. It's very hard because philosophically they are not the same. And under the paramutual system, you want the whales. The more a guy bets, the better. Under... Fixed odds, you're booking the bets. The the more sharp guy bets, because the the tracks, quote unquote, don't care who wins under the paramutual system. They just want their cut. Under the fixed odds, they're betting. You're betting against the track. You can beat the track. The track and lose money. The track cannot lose money except maybe on a, on a negative show pool, which you don't see very often. Um, they're not gonna lose money on, on, on any of these races. They're taking their cut. And that's what that's what it is. And fixed odds, they're booking the bets. They're booking the bets. So they can be upside down, they can get exposed. And and if they get exposed on a large number, that that's a bad thing. <laughs> and and if you're going to book bets, you still have to have volume. You still have to have volume. You can't just book a couple bets because if one hits, then you're upside down. And, that, and that's why I just don't think it's it's. I think that's going to be hard for them to operate under that, um, under those parameters where a guy is a great client on if he bets through the param mutual <laughs> system, and he's a client that you might want to shut off if you bet through the fixed odds. <laughs> so, even if he's betting on the same horses. So, you know, that, I think that's just another thing. I, I, I appreciate the people that see the value in it. And I, I know about Australia and all those places, but this is a different market. And, I mean, let's face it, they're not going to get rid of the, the, the rebate chops. They're not going to get rid of the CAWs. Even though in a perfect world they would, they would say, "Oh, we'll take the the, the cut in um, percentage and handle to to reset and do this more equitably." But you know, this is racing, so they're not going to do that. Hmm. Anyways, I'm sure people are sick of us talking about this bullshit. So um, let's talk about the races a little bit. Art uh, collector. Was a surprise, and you know, in the write-up, I put down that he certainly, <clears throat> on his best, was a huge contender. Except we hadn't seen his his best, at least on a non-bull ring track, since the fall of 2021. <laughs> I was gonna say it's been a couple of years, uh, and then the fact that that Saez chose to ride Peter Miller's horse. Who I thought had zero chance. I, I mean, he, when I looked at the race, the first horse I threw out was him because I said, Yeah, this horse is not getting a mile and an eighth. He never could before. I think he lost a cigar because he just ran out of steam the last hundred yards, more than mind control was, you know, had some valiant effort to hold him off. I, and I just couldn't figure that at all. And uh, mistakenly, I said, Well, know, I'm going to go with Kieran and Louis here, and if they're if they're not wanting to ride them, then maybe not a good sign. But that was 100 <laughs> percent wrong. <laughs> but I mean, going into the race, I, I just it was a race to me where there was so many questions about every horse, and and I couldn't find a long shot that I really liked. Um. And I just, I, I, I more or less passed on the race. I, I just, I didn't bet. I, I bet a couple doubles into it. I bet a couple pick threes, and just, just kind of like action bets more than anything. But um, I just couldn't get excited about anybody, and everybody was flawed. And I mean, I mean, let's face it, 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 it wasn't a good field. It was, it was for a Grade One race, three million dollars. It, it was a very mediocre field. But that, be prepared because because uh outside of you know Taiba and of course you know Rich Strike um <clears throat> who else really out there is there that you'd say wow they weren't there nobody nobody <laughs> this is what we're going to get all year and this is the this is the weakness of the graded system is that you're going to see a bunch of grade 1 winners this year that probably would have never won grade 1s uh, in particular races under any circumstances other than just this year being very, very soft. That doesn't mean that, um, you know, they're not good horses at all, but there just isn't much brilliance out there. And this is something that we've talked about for months now, and it's going to start coming to fruition. Uh, the turf division is just in tatters. I mean, a tone it was a great ride by uh, Rad. I'll give him credit. We we give him hell when he when he zigzags down the stretch knocking people over. But uh, truth is he's
1: he's he's the best. And I, I tried to say that on Twitter and everybody got mad at me. I, I said that, you know, when the money's on the line, he's gonna give you the world class ride. Hey, listen,
0: every, everybody makes mistakes, everybody, you know, misjudges rides or whatever some once in a while, but uh-huh. But on a consistent basis, I read he, is he's a, better. He's better than everybody. Though the fourth race, I, I still think that uh, that was a non-effort. Was, yeah, that that was that was a strange. That was, that was not a typical I read race. Where, um, put it this way: if I gave you a scenario,
1: and then he and does what he did to me yesterday, that,
0: that I, I read is is right behind the leaders who were tiring at the top of the stretch in a hundred thousand dollars race, <laughs> and. During the stretch, he only struck the horse with the stick one time, um, and made very little effort to extract himself from the whole the position he got in. Yeah, most <laughs> people wouldn't <laughs> believe it. Uh, but no, he, he he rode he rode a tone perfectly, uh, timed it perfectly. Uh, yeah, maybe Ivar just doesn't want to win. And yeah,
1: Ivar Ivar's just. He stopped. He reached the lead and, and just stopped. Like visually at the track, you could see him literally look like he was flying <laughs> to when he got to the front. And then as soon as he got to the front, you could see his head just jerk up a little bit and he slowed down. And then a tone just got him, nailed him. It's a good yeah, race, though. It's really it's, it's, it's a fun race to watch. Right, but it was not a grade one. No, no, definitely not a grade one. A Tone, come on, man. Didn't you tell me that that horse didn't win a a stakes race? He's six years old. That was his first stakes victory. So that that tells you everything you need to know.
0: Ivar hasn't won a graded stakes
1: since 2020. And we talked about Ivar on last week.
0: Yes, we didn't. He said (laughs) he does everything but win. He's like the Cowboys. He's been on permanent fade, but somehow I still can't wind up doing any good. But, um, I, I mean, you just look at that, that field and it's just, that's not a grade one race. <sighs> I thought the Phillies race was a good race. Uh The Phillies race is a grade three and it probably will wind up getting upgraded. Um, our guy, Mike McCarthy, Whitey, he, uh, He's money, man. I tell you what he is money. I think he's got six starts there. He's won um, Princess Rooney twice. Now he's won. The, he won the Dubai World or the Dubai, the the Pacific, Pegasus Pegasus World Cup. Now he's won the Pegasus Turf, um, and he was third in the
1: Pegasus uh, World Cup with Independence Hall. So Ooh, I six... liked that day. He just got bobbed for a second. Trust me, I'll never forget that one. Oof, still uh, haunts me. So six starts and uh, four wins
0: in <laughs> big stake races, and a third. <laughs> and then that other horse, whoever it is, that didn't hit the board. But uh, no, I, I think he's a, a very, very good trainer, and he uh, when he when he when he gets a good horse, he campaigns them in a manner that that seems to get the best out of them. Um, you know, he doesn't have gaudy win stats. I think he's like 17, 18%, which, of course, forever, that's what good trainers trained at when, you know, there was competition and he didn't run three out of the five. And, uh, but, um, yeah, uh, I thought that was... Uh, I just wish I was smart enough to have capitalized on it.
2: I, I, like I really was
0: I honestly I did a terrible job on Saturday because I was right there And I, but I tell you what after like the third race I wanted to quit
1: yeah. <laughs> I remember
0: <laughs> I had enough <laughs> I had enough I've, I've screwed up so many times already today I bet the Cassie horse was twenty what, 27 to 1 and um um You know he runs second, and and I don't wind up like I just bet the horse to win. I don't do anything else.
1: I squandered a few opportunities on Saturday too, especially in race two. Yeah, that was because I didn't get in the door fast enough. That was really the problem. Romero's horse
0: popped the gate and off, off he went. Eddie Perez. Gustavo. So um yeah, another stat that I I was surprised I stumbled on this that maker was six (laughs) percent until Saturday. His last ninety-four graded stakes races. He had only won six out of the ninety-four.
1: That makes sense. You don't really see him win and then and then uh heck of a lot of those kind of races. Then the um yeah, but there's remember there's a lot of
0: graded stakes. Like running all over the place, they run grade twos and threes that shit nobody even pays attention to <laughs> um but he runs one, two three, in the mile and a half race the mcnight and uh then he he runs uh then he wins the the dubai the atone keep yeah. i keep
1: saying dubai dubai, <laughs> dubai World cup <laughs> you get
0: Dubai on the
1: morning. you going
0: No, no, sir. That is Mm -hmm. that is just that is way too far to go to a place.
1: Yeah, Saturday was fun. I mean, um, I don't like camels either. Camels smell. (laughs) You know, uh, Sid Fernando literally knows the entire industry. I've met, you know. He introduced me to so many people yesterday, I mean, yesterday on Saturday. It was, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, uh, getting to sit with him and, and Steve uh, was a real treat because, you know, between the stories they both had, um, just just being a sponge and, and getting all the information I could from just listening to them was was an experience in in and of itself and you know it wouldn't have even mattered if it was at the pegasus or you know a wednesday it it goes where they're running eight thousand dollar claimers all day um you know i just very fortunate that i was able to to get that experience and you know i'm always willing to learn and and try to understand both of them in in their own elements so like steve with his media uh presence and and that kind of stuff and sid with the bloodstock that i i'm I'm learning more about every day um yeah it it was really fun just to to kind of see how how that works and and definitely want to give a a nod shout out whatever you want to call it to uh Mr. Chuck Fipke, (laughs) Um, you know, he's, he's tough as nails. That guy he got stung by a whole bunch of hornets and survived and, you know, uh, too bad he couldn't show up at the race, but you know, that's, that's who we were kind of representing um, for the day as the owners and, you know, saddling the horse and doing all that kind of stuff. So it was, it was a real good time, something that I've never experienced. So, you know, the first for me keep coming. So I'm, I'm loving it.
0: Yeah. It's fun to be, to be able to uh, participate or even pseudo participate in, in those races. Um, I was fortunate enough to do it quite a few times and uh, it's, it's, I mean, those are the races that everybody wants to win. That's, that's why they're hard They're hard to win.
1: Um, But yeah, Mr. Fibke survived like, God. Man, that guy is is like the luckiest man on earth. So if I if I
0: got stung by one wasp, I'd have convulsions.
1: <laughs> you, you wouldn't see me for three weeks.
0: No kidding.
1: And this guy flies home from Costa Rica. Yeah, he's but like, like seventy
0: five years old or something. Right? Yeah. I mean, he's, yeah, he's not, he's not a younger guy and just tough as nails. Tough. As, there was wasps embedded in his ear
1: eardrum. Yeah, that that was wild to read. It's unbelievable. <laughs> Tough old. didn't even think that was possible. Uh, I don't even want to like, think about it. I know it has to be like horror movie type stuff, right? <laughs> like, you know, he's a 2,000 bees man, <sighs> that's wild. And they always stinging him, bro. It's unreal,
0: that it is. So it's uh, maybe not as unreal as as one trainer having all the horses in a race.
1: No way. <laughs>
0: Which is what we're looking at uh, Saturday. Santa Anita. This what did you even weekend, do? Like... This past weekend, we had a, a stake at Santa Anita for three-year-olds. That One Close. trainer had, had three of the four. He's, he had four of the five but scratched one. Finished one, two, three. Um... And next week we have uh, the south, uh, the southwest, uh, the Bob and Beverly Lewis. Last year was kind of a debacle of a race in a different manner because uh, Messier crushed a bunch of tomato cans. <laughs> Half of them never ran for like you know
1: Happy months Jack and
0: months and months. Yeah, Happy Jack was was. Uh, Co, the co-headliner
1: so my question is what do you, what do you even do when you got four horses in the race i mean what do you do from what standpoint from the trainer's standpoint what what do you give you give instructions to each guy i i i don't know i mean what do you do they how can be, they even run that i'll, I'll how, be honest, how can they even and, how and can I'll, they even run that
0: and, and and you know people will disagree
1: or but betting. You can't they, bet on it, they, right?
0: They shouldn't have betting on that race. No betting. Right. You shouldn't have betting on a race where one trainer, one person controls the entire field. Um, whether it be one owner who owned four horses and had them with different trainers. Whether it be one trainer who has them, uh, obviously it'd be difficult for a jockey to ride more than one. But um, yeah, that shouldn't there should not be betting it. And the fact of the matter is, there won't be much betting on it. Uh, I think the race, the San Vicente, was run as the second race uh, this weekend. The Santa Anita did less than two hundred thousand bucks. Um, so, for a race in Southern California on a weekend to do less than two hundred thousand is uh, I, I would imagine that was about as low as it gets for them. I mean, that, that's, you know, that's like nothing. So that that's that's an issue as well. Um, but to me, it's, it's a philosophical issue more than even a numbers issue mm. in that it seems as though the owners in California outside of Bob's barn have given up. And one of the last holdovers in California was that um, what's the name of the group that
1: Mandela the Foxwoods? Fox Hill. Oh no no not Fox, 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 oh, Fox. Oh, oh 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 United was Yeah, the United people. What's their yep. name? Uh, Ross Helt? Jamie Jamie Ross. Yes. yes.
0: They made a decision to pull their horses out of California. And they weren't nearly as big as some of the Baffert um, conglomerate barns or or outfits, but they were still a significant outfit that was sending horses to um, trainers other than Baffert. And you got to the point now. And Steve Bick can tell you, I told people this was gonna happen. And this was like a decade ago or more. So what's gonna happen when all the owners combine and join forces and send a horse to the same trainer? I said, who, who who's gonna who's gonna compete against them? It's hard enough to compete on an individual basis, but when they all team up. who who could possibly compete? And that's what's happened. And you don't have... When you don't have any horses nominated to the race, because guys will nominate to races all the time. I bet you I nominated horses, and I didn't have a a huge barn full of (laughs) steak horses, but I would guess that probably 90% of the nominations I made were not horses that I intended on running. In that race, but I wanted to be nominated in case a short field happened or the big favorite, you know, scratched a couple of days before the racer got hurt or something like that. And I didn't want to not be nominated. And it's a little different even now, these days, in that um, a lot of noms are free. So, you know, what's the harm? And there's a lot of, of low of supplements that, that are low cost that doesn't cost you that hold that much but when when horses aren't even nominated when people when trainers of, of, of other three year olds don't even bother to say you know what put us in there who knows what will happen they've given up I don't see how those races can Yeah, I just don't see how you can run them anymore sounds crazy right but <laughs> if you don't have other people coming to run in those races and you only have one trainer then how can the greatest stakes committee not take the grades away i just don't get it how can they not do that i mean as a business we aren't all that credible anyways because you know let's just face it a lot of the truth isn't actually what gets told but I mean this is like the basic premise of horse racing is competition and, and when one trainer has all the horses and the, and the truth is it's not his fault
1: definitely not his fault this is
0: another case where the tracks apathy has hurt them and hurt the business as a whole And it's not just uh, California. New York is is getting to be the same way. Look at the stake races in New York. Mm -hmm. The bigger races with big purses. And we get short fields because at least in the East Coast with a greater population of horses, um, you'd think you'd have a better chance of filling those races. But the truth is that there's so many other stake races. Like, would you rather win a grade two or grade three or be, 50 to 1 in a grade 1 I mean everybody makes the same choice they all go and they'd say well hell I'd rather run in a race I think I can win and I think that's that's something that um, you know just as uh, it, it's just um, it's just a huge issue and I just don't see anyone addressing that I just don't see it. I, I think that the the tracks, in a lot of ways, I said, well, what can we do?
1: Unlimited well, stalls.
0: I can. I'll give you. I'll give you a couple of list of things you can. And I mean, going back and saying this is what you should have done. I mean, it doesn't matter at this point, right? It's it's too late. But right, what you're going to do? But you can't just give up. And that's what they did. They give up. They said, "Well, what can we do well?" It, it's it's. Um, And I, and I don't say this with any malice, but you know everybody wants to get dressed up and go to the Eclipse Awards and hobnob. Meanwhile, in some places the game is on fire and you know we're not we're not trying to put the fires out and we're not trying to prevent the fires from starting in other places uh, I think a, a friend of mine, who works for a big operation, but gets it? Like he's marginal. He's not like part of the decision-making crew, which he should be. But you know, they don't want those kind of people. But he he, he said a great quote the other day, and about the industry and the people that were dressed up at the Eclipse Awards <laughs> that. They'd rather sit still on the boat and let it sink to the bottom of the ocean than rock it. And in some... I mean, that that's like the ideal statement because it's so true. And that rather than potentially pissing someone off because anytime you make changes, well, someone's going to be mad.
1: True. Very true.
0: And... The theme that we've talked about a thousand times there's a lot of people out there who don't want the business model to change because they're doing well they're capitalizing on it and it's something that you say all the time and it, it, it's, it's pervasive throughout this industry We've always done it this way, and it's always it, it's always been okay. We've always lasted. We haven't gone out of business yet.
1: Uh, yeah, it's it's just so frustrating because it's not you know the everything's right in front of them. They just got to do it, but for whatever reason, they lack the desire to to. Step up and at least do their part in, you know, helping things get better. Yeah,
0: and and one of the things that we've talked about since the inception of the show is the Derby Point system, and it's still, hmm. still the they, same they, way. They made some changes, but they didn't go far enough. They didn't go far enough. I mean, look at the Holy Bull. Not a good. Not a good race. Not a good field. Uh, you look at the, the southwest. Um and there was a couple promising horses in there who just didn't seem to pan out. Both the Brad Cox horses ran poorly. Uh, though it was running in a in a super sloppy track and I was gonna say it was raining. Um but coming out of that race, tough to like anybody outside the winner or the silky Sullivan that asked Houston trains. <laughs> You see how far back that horse was? Oh, oh my god, god, it was like forty
1: lengths back.
0: <laughs> I thought he was easy. I thought I thought he was like 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 I don't wasn't right.
1: anywhere like, in the picture.
0: This is a true story, and and, <laughs> and I was gonna bet a cold hundred dollar exact in that contest. Um, the Arabian horse and Asphutson's horse, and when once I saw that it was gonna be a sloppy track. I changed it <laughs> because I said, "Well, that horse is a dead one-run closer, and you don't get a lot of mud kicked in his face." And Oklahoma's you no, know, speed's pretty good at Oakland once once it gets gets wet. So uh, he won't. He doesn't have any chance to run second, of course. Dang. So as it, as it was, I I, I bet uh, a chalky number, and it was blown up. Um, but um. I'm just looking for who. The LeCompte was not a strong race. No. And it, it just goes back to that same uh, thing that, like we said, we said it last year, we said the year before. You're not giving these, enough points for these races. You're not making them compelling them enough because you give too many points out to the last round. It, it just is, it's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And there's no perfect way of doing it anymore because. So many trainers um, don't appreciate the the difficulty of winning the Derby and want to train horses lightly, like they do the rest of the year, and just win on talent. Um, But, anyways, that that's that's a topic for another day. I mean, we have this we have this this Baffert must change his horses by the 28th if he doesn't get an injunction from the court system's uh, date hanging over us and I'm sure that our February shows will will discuss that in further detail once
1: uh... <laughs> well you know what's wild about that is like with the points and and the Baffert horses is would they ever be made to to accommodate it doesn't seem like it what that the track will have to concede anything to him other than maybe letting him run there. I, I don't, I, I mean, if he got an injunction, I'm not,
0: I I'm mean, not a lawyer
1: and I didn't stay in holiday
0: Inn express, but I mean, if he got an, an injunction saying that, oh, I mean, we talked about this last year, right? A little bit. Yeah. Material damaged and he kind of lost, or I guess he never actually did that last year because he was suspended. Um, he he tried. He filed an injunction to get to, to get the suspension. The hearing and right. stayed, and they they didn't do that. So, I mean, I have no idea if if that has any chance to to get stayed or not. I, I really don't know. But, Russian uh, roulette. If they those horses by the twenty eighth, unless they already have a stay. You know, unless prior to the twenty eighth, the court ruled that. They can't do that. He can run, and and then it would be a different story, obviously. But if that doesn't happen before the twenty eighth,
1: they're uh, stuck on the outside looking in, right? That is uh, I believe so. And
0: what did we say a couple of weeks ago? I mean, at least I said, um, I think that Churchill should have come out and said, "Hey, you know what? The guy paid the price. He missed last year. Blah blah blah." But um, you know, and and, and went to Billy and said, "Hey, listen, an apology. Uh, say something like, if you get a positive in the next uh, X amount of years, we'll hear something you know, like just give throw 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 us a bone somewhere, and and we'll drop the suspension. Because t- the truth is that it, it's not just because he has 15... <laughs> <laughs> Your potentials, but just because this becomes the story and not the horses themselves and the race itself, and I, and I think that that's more important. But but the, you know they're a big company; they stuck their toes in. They like to show who their, their boss is, and I don't know. Maybe they want to the, put. Maybe they think the the added publicity is is a good thing. Could be, but uh, but they're obviously not going to. Going to, um, they're obviously not going to, uh, to do that because they had this written in the uh, denomination. So hmm. I'm just happy that this will be the last time we have to talk about this for a while. Well, af- after this triple crown, Day. after this, yeah,
1: yeah, hopefully,
0: <laughs> yeah, I saw it. Um, charge it is in on Sunday or Saturday. My guy. Uh, he could be a big factor in the, the handicap division. Yeah. I mean, so, though, a lot, of, you know, a lot of upside there. It, it comes with a caveat. Yeah, it's that he healthy. has never won a two-turn raise.
1: He have four starts. Yeah. So, We'll, Just we'll say give him a pass on we'll,
0: that before before we start uh, anointing him as a next mile and an eighth type. Let's make sure he, he can get it. He'll be all right.
1: At well, least he'll you know probably try and be in some decent races. I mean. If there's a year to just try with a marginal horse, you know, this is it. You can see, I can can definitely see a horse, you know, kind of flying up through the ranks and and winning one of these graded stakes for older horses. Oh, for sure. Easily coming out of like a OC 62 (laughs) and scoring in a graded stake just because he's the hot horse, you know, he's in good form. Hopefully, at a price, because I'll be there.
0: Well, the truth of the matter is that,
1: <clears throat> hopefully, I
0: shouldn't say it's the truth yet, but uh, the the Pegasus was a large field. The Pegasus turf was a large field. And you have to think that, that a big Without a star that right. is because there was no one to scare anyone off. I mean, had Flightline decided to stay in, in the training for one last run and the Pegasus. Uh, I, I'm guessing that there probably wouldn't have been a twelve horse field. <laughs> Maybe four. Yeah. And you know, seconds and thirds are nice paydays and all, but um you know, peop people are are apt to skip races like that. So uh Back to me in a curmudgeon.
1: So, <laughs> would you call that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not. Uh... I, I mean, I looked at the holy bull quick, and my buddy's in there though. Cyclone mischief. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see what he does.
0: I'll put it this way if he doesn't win, he's not a real contender because this is not true. Race. This is not a strong race. It is not a strong race. It's it, it, the Holy Bull has generally been pretty good, it's been a pretty, pretty, pretty good, yeah, uh, bunch of horses part. over the years. Um, this I remember year, when
1: uh, what was it, Mohamed won it. yeah well that's not really
0: (laughs) that's not really supporting that uh... no
1: no but I mean at the time you know remember he he ended up facing off with Nyquist in the in the Florida Derby but I mean at that point he he was top dog but I don't think we got anything like that happening this year it's gonna be wide open with a lot of, you know, and then, I guess the uh, the Baffert question mark is is really the key to the Triple Crown season because I think Arabian Knight is really good. Yeah,
0: I did notice. I think the horse he, is really good. He said um, that he'd be giving him time, time, which is not the the Baffert mo with Triple Crown horses. Uh, he he generally. Once they start racing, they in as three year olds they 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 dance most of the dances. So, um, you know, take that as you may. And I would be very interested to see what happens with him, considering um, the twenty eighth date looming, because he wouldn't run back uh, before then where he would be transferred to, who he would be transferred to and, and don't forget too. this is this is going to be the really uh, difficult part of that whole scenario. And, and this is why I thought that Churchill Downs might have been better off just kind of
1: bringing him back punting on, him be, on it right. is
0: that last year during the time after the, where the horses were transferred, yeah the liquidated um, his barn, right? like he, he was he, he wasn't training. he was on suspension. He wasn't standing at the rail. He wasn't around. He wasn't allowed to be. So if he transfers the horse to, say, Yakteen, I mean, is he supposed to, like, leave the track <laughs> <He's> <laughs> when got... the horse comes out to work or something? You know? I mean, like, how do you prevent...
1: Right, you can't police that, right?
0: That's what I mean. So like and and uh, and almost like what why like what what are you going to do it it just is um
1: it, it wasn't like, clearly thought out thoroughly these well,
0: kind of... it, it, like i said it, it was it was easy when he was suspended and he couldn't be on the backside and he couldn't be around but it's going to be a little different if he if he can be he's going to be right there he's going to you know I, I don't know it it just um we have a credibility problem in this industry and this is not majorly. This is is not helping. (laughs) Um, Yeah. I just, I really don't like it. I mean, I'm not, you know, I just, I just think that it just, the, the potential for this thing to blow up is just there. And, uh, no, it's good for podcasts, gives us a lot of stuff to talk about.
1: Yeah, but like you said, I'm just waiting for the other shoe to fall. Yeah, it's a lot more complicated this
0: year than it was last year, a lot more complicated. And adding that, that, that transfer by the 28th that really complicates it even further <laughs> and i think they thought that they were going to clarify it by doing that it would be more clear that the, the other trainer would have the horse under his control for you know the, the two months leading up to the derby but i think that like because of the presence of the man he's not going to just disappear like he did when he's suspended so uh, I mean if i I' tell you this if I was a reporter and taking
1: person right by him all day
0: and the horse breezed under the care of someone else and he was standing there watching I'd ask for his what do you think yeah <laughs> I'd want his opinion right I mean it's fair game
1: yeah that's it's not yeah,
0: a is, is the other trainer supposed to like not you know
1: Like, avoid (laughs) him? Acknowledge his existence. Like, nope, you can't talk to (laughs) him. Yeah, like, nobody look him in the eye. Churchill issued uh, TRO. (laughs) Can't come within
0: a quarter mile of him or 90 feet of (laughs) him. It just seems like there's...
1: It seems like they know that it's going to be dropped. I don't know. It's what it seems
0: like. I don't know. I do know that, that on Twitter on Saturday there was about seven people that, that, that the, the 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 bad jockey police should be after, complaining about rides that were fine. God, people are annoying when they complain about rides
1: yeah that's that's one of the worst parts of Twitter.
0: There are occasions where guys ride bad or they make mistakes, oh yeah but but it's not all the time but when, when when the horse is ridden properly, especially like older horses, the horse is a seven or eight year old horse and, and this is what he's done his entire career, and all right. of a sudden you think, oh well, he should be closer or he should be you know he shouldn't have been that close, like
1: yeah pace dynamics don't work that way, like yeah
0: <laughs> Once a horse has got like you know thirty starts, uh, you have a pretty good idea of, of how they're they're going to run best.
1: I will say, my guy is, and I won't argue with people anymore about it. By the way,
0: so if you say something stupid on Twitter about a jockey, hmm?
1: I'm ignoring it. I'm ignoring you. I'm not. Going <laughs> to <go> to you. <laughs> my guy is struggling, though. I, I have to admit that. Uh, Joelle Rosario. Oh yeah,
0: I, I will take.
1: He's on the struggle bus.
0: You, you can. I'll take. Uh, sorry, Haissa, but I'll take ten lashes for for saying that I thought that Joel Rosario would break out of his slump in the state races because he did not break out of his slump.
1: He went deeper into the slump, man. On Although the, he did on, win one yesterday on the, one uh, yesterday.
0: the 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 horse, the filly he rode in the, in the Pegasus Turf, filly mare Turf,
1: mm. Vermont, hatchet oh, job.
0: Oh my God, he almost went down.
1: Yeah, Wakanaka. Yeah, Wakanaka. Who, who who
0: got that off the board?
1: Yeah. Well, because the horse probably, <laughs> if in the right spot, would have would have been right there with the other horse, I think. But I don't know. That's the the winner won pretty easy. Yeah, he he kind of ran off. She's but.
0: getting better too.
1: Yeah, no doubt about it.
0: She's getting better. So but either way it was uh that was not that was, good, brutal. that was not a good ride and then what the other race he went to the, he goes to the front goes too fast oh yeah with, with a horse <laughs> who's really not a um this a closer
1: yeah or, like, i don't know i, I
0: don't know we you know, he doesn't ride Gulfstream great because it's not really his he's a sitting and 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 weight rider and it's not that type of track
1: right you got to get out and go Either, either, Even on the
0: turf. Either, right. Like, the turf or the dirt. You just it's it's patience is not great. Uh it's not a great attribute of riding a at Gulfstream Stream for the most part. But um Yeah, yeah. I was one hundred percent wrong about that. <laughs> so anything else? Any anything else you, you saw on Saturday? Talk to anybody? See anybody? Any any any
1: gossip? Anything going on? No, not really. I mean, uh, got a few phone calls from good old Biff Tannen, CJ Johnson. Yeah, he was there, and Barshu apparently uh, was running errands and <laughs> uh, dropped off the tickets for Sid the oh. night before. So I had to give him the business, him and Kyle. Kyle. I mean, but, you know, the usual suspects were there. Everybody that you, you would expect to see. Um, but it was a good time. I'm glad the, the weather cooperated. I, I couldn't handle another 60-degree day. <laughs> yeah.
0: We had a sixty degree up here in Saratoga, the snow. Everybody,
1: everybody's going with tank tops. (laughs) Yeah. Sixty and windy, not cutting it.
0: No, no, no. I saw I saw our guy, Brian Beer, at the harness track.
1: That's the man.
0: Yeah, yeah. We we devised a plan that once it gets warmer, we're gonna get a horse. But not he gripes like
1: no other. He's he's like top echelon, like Right yeah we're gonna
0: get a trotter but not yet because it's still too cold okay so we
1: running with Batavia
0: no that's too far away <laughs> <laughs> Saratogas where we're running <laughs> maybe maybe Vernon if uh if, if we can find an easy race. but yep yep we've made that decision that we're gonna do that now whether okay. that actually happens is probably about 50 to one.
1: Who's gonna drive? Them, you or him? In a race? Uh, yeah.
0: Neither of us. We'll get Wally to drive. Okay. Yeah, we're, we're not. We're not driving.
1: You should, but whatever.
0: They'd have to get a special bike for me. And...
1: So, too fat. No. It's weight distribution through.
0: Yeah, waitress distribution for a 165-pound guy versus a 135-pound guy. Not for a guy that might bend the, the sulky.
1: What was the guy's name? The, the old harness driver that used to weigh like three bills? Bucky Day, wasn't his name?
0: No, nobody was good. <laughs> Billy Parker, but he, he was like 6'3". He was three. like 260. He was 6'3", 160. Guy was like Louis Orr.
1: and can't see him. Jeez, it's like Chet Holmgren skinny, Bobo type stuff. Bobo. Um, I, I wasn't I wasn't uh, <laughs> with the uh, the real horse players, so I I wasn't able to get any good footage of of anybody being drunken. And falling into a chair. Unfortunately. Got a bunch of DMs asking about that. That was that was one of the best
0: racetrack videos ever.
1: <laughs> it was just a perfect storm. You know, it was COVID. There's so many things. Yeah. It, it just the elements were there. Yes, sir. Well, it's been I a- saw Joe Jonas. Who's that? Exactly. One of the Jonas brothers. I don't know them.
0: I'm appalled. Was that who the concert was? Hmm? That, that's who the concert was?
1: He Apparently, he just jumped up there and started singing.
0: Who was supposed to be there? Who was the concert?
1: Kygo and One Republic.
0: Kygo sounds like the name of a horse. Does. One Republic. Any relation to Banana
1: Republic? Same thing.
0: I hate to sound like uh, out of touch, but I don't know these people.
1: Oh, boy. We got to work on that. I know Post Malone. Come on, man. He's probably
0: way too big now, right? Yeah. Uh, Carlo Vecchareza threw him out of the, the chalet at, at the Preakness.
1: For what? Smoking cigarettes? No,
0: because he, he was coming in and, and Carlos saw
1: him coming in and you know. He just yeah. didn't want the riffraff. Right. He thought he was just a dumb guy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he was saying, well, he wasn't no, i know don't know who he is i, get, I can hear him up, saying you know, that I don't, I don't know who face, that guy is he got is. face tattoos you know his hair is all over the place and he kind of looks scruffy you know and carlos said no oh, man you can't nope. you can't be in here you gotta get out of here and he's like i'm i'm the act I, I i'm i'm
1: playing the music and he's like get out of here <laughs> uh that's that's a true story oh you know one tidbit uh Sid hadn't seen the new grandstand. He hadn't been there. No. Man. Yeah, I was like, "What? It's been twenty years, Sid. What the hell?" <laughs> He's a Floridian now. Leave
0: him alone. That's. It's got. It had to have been a, a little bit of culture shock because the old grandstand was. It was. Uh, you know, it's one of those things that we didn't know how great it was until they, they changed it. But the old grandstand was um, was great, and it was, oh man, it was there was a lot of character to it. There was a lot of different sections, and oh yeah, um, you could sit out in the back uh, with on in the lawn. There was that was way that different crew. vibe. Yeah, you could go, you could get uh, the jockeys' room over there. There was people hanging out over there. There was people in, in the first floor, and uh, they had the the restaurant in the first turn with the levels and then upstairs was a bar and uh, they had a big box seat area and it was uh, you know had a lot of character of course outside of of the big days now I mean yeah, they don't get a whole get lot crowds. of space right. know, they don't get crowds like they used to so um I understand why they changed it and, uh, I just, it just was, uh, it was just a really cool place. And I, and I think some of it too, was that the fact that we used to leave New York and it'd be freezing and we get down there and it, it 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 felt that much better because we were getting out of the cold <laughs> and, and we didn't used to be there that long, you know, you'd race January, February and half of March
1: and that was it. you were out of there. Yeah. I remember, so um, it was kind of like of the...
0: Saratoga is now.
1: Yeah. I remember, you know, one of the good betting angles where it was uh, betting horses coming back to New York in the spring or when the weather kind of got a little bit warmer, like end of February-ish, where it started to kind of let up with the real freezing temperatures. And then you'd see those horses that weren't hanging around too much at Gulfstream come back to New York and run at Aqueduct. Mm-hmm. Just to get some good bet against there because they'd get they'd get hammered and uh, play against them and uh, make make some decent money doing that. Second time out they'd win though. First time shaky. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, a
0: different area in the um in the, the the digest the preview talked talked about a horse that um that i recall from the 80s who had, oh, like, yeah was a mystery <laughs> horse of sorts who showed still up still is <laughs> showed up in south florida from argentina where the previous year he had won everything uh, i think he'd won his last race by 28 and the race before that by 17 so he was just crushing everything down there and they brought him to the U.S. and and the plan was to bring him up here and to uh, to sell him, you know, sell him for uh, stud, you know, for the stallion. And he came up and, and uh, he ran at in the Widener, which was at Hialeah, and this was the year 1984. Hialeah was one of the years. The Hialeah had the early dates, meaning they they ran in January and February. Uh, and Gulfstream had the, the late dates, and then Calder had the rest. But, um, he ran in the Widener and missed the track record by a fifth of a second. And it wasn't a great year in, in Florida that year for handicap horses. Um, but there were some good horses World Appeal was a good horse, and a couple other ones. Um, and then he ran the next month at Gulfstream and the Gulfstream Park Handicap, which at the time was a mile and a quarter. And he won by, like, 12, and he set the track record of uh, 159 flat, which, when the track was changed over to the different circumference, they changed all the track records um, because it, it was a different distance. And uh, so that record, you know, lived on forever, basically. Um, and... I included some, some Steve Christ articles of the day about talking about him um, and how he, at the time, was the best horse in training in America. And nobody really knew much about him. He just right. showed mm-hmm. up uh, and out of the blue. And, and this was before we had simulcasting. This was before computers. This was before a, a lot of stuff. And I remember looking at his PPs because... Um, the Florida races would be included a lot of times in the, the big racing form, the, the big newspaper style one, where they'd have like seven tracks or six tracks. Oh, yeah. And all the horse had was once. one, 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 one. <laughs> one, one, one you know. And then he, he goes out there, he misses the track record and he sets a track record. And I'm thinking, man, this might be like the next great horse. And remember, this was only 11 years post-Secretariat. This was only... Uh, you know, four years post a spectacular bit, so having a super horse wasn't that far out of the realm of possibilities. And uh, just as quickly as he came, he was gone. He they ran him on the turf, and there was always an undercurrent of, of something was not, you know, something was amiss. Um, that the story that the press was getting wasn't actually the real story the
1: story. Yeah. Yeah. Cause there was always
0: then. And, and, and I asked Angel Pena about this years ago and he, and he said that the horse had had a tendon, um, a tendon issue and that the tendon was flaring up. And then they, they said that the horse had a respiratory issue and they weren't going to run him in the race um, at Gulfstream um, on the turf because he had been running on the dirt in, in his first two races, and they made the decision to run him because uh, I guess he had had the issue and he'd been running on it, and the thing had been holding up. It hadn't, you know, gotten any any significantly worse. But then it got worse, and they ran him anyways, and he ran terrible, and uh, uh, the Pan American um, and finished last, and that was it. That was he was he was retired after that, and they never got their money because you know no one. No one was interested. No in one it. took uh, the bait early. No, no one took the bait. So he wound up going back to Argentina and becoming a, a decent stallion. Um, and most notably, he was the, the the stallion of uh, the sire of Festine. Oh, wow. Who in the 90s was uh, a really a top handicap horse. I think 1991. Uh, he ran all over the place. Yeah, Ron Mcnally
1: used to get all those horses, like those South American horses. Yeah, I mean the superstars. Mm-hmm. He he was a big
0: closer. He won the Jockey Club Gold Cup. He won, uh, I think, the Oaklawn Park Handicap, the Nassau, when that was still a big race in New York. But um, yeah, you know, it's like a forgotten horse that, uh, um, and and now we don't even see his name in in the PPS anymore, uh, or at least the charts you know, having. And the track record holder because uh, it's it's different. I said uh, ironically, the the Gulfstream Park mile and a quarter track record holders, a horse named um, uh, Buddy's Humor, who was really a grass horse, who set the track record in the Pan American one year when it was taken off the turf. So huh. I just saw a little bit of irony in that, but. Uh, yeah, it was kind of interesting that, uh, I don't know why I, I thought about that, but but yeah, he, he was the best horse in America for a month, and hell, hardly anybody knew anything about him, hardly anybody knows, even remembers his name these days, um, and Steve Chris sent me an, a note. Oh, yeah. <laughs> said, uh, said he appreciated uh, reading it, and uh, he had forgotten about him. Because you know, I, I had forgotten about them and uh, brought back good memories and kind of talked about 1984 as a, as a racing year and how, um, yeah, was the year I, I, I learned how to, to do it. Yeah, it was, uh, that was the year, Great of, year. that was the year of Swale. Swale, um, that's right. That was the year of the first Breeders' Cup. Yep, I remember we went to the Belmont that year, Swale won. And my dad drove. My friend Spinelli was was with us, and uh, Larry Larry Catone. It was four of us, and that was we won almost every single race. <laughs> it was <laughs> it was uncanny, man. It was just uncanny. And we uh, we went in the clubhouse. on Belmont Day. Now it wasn't a Triple Crown on the line because uh, Swell had got beat in the uh, Preakness, but. We paid five bucks to get in the clubhouse, <laughs> and you guys
1: are mad. Five bucks? No, we were fine. Five—that's
0: what it was. It was—it was five bucks, but it was—it was five bucks every day.
1: Yeah, I used to remember those signs, like you know the signs, the Naira signs with the old like horse and the rider, like the almost like the the fox hunters. Yeah, you know those signs, and then it has. <laughs> The price, it is was mission $5. Yeah, it was $5 every day. I mean, it cost us $5. Then you get the stamp. Yeah. So, you know, naturally,
0: what did we do? We, we, we left there. We went to the Meadowlands for the doubleheader to keep our luck rolling. But, um... Didn't bet Campbell, I see. It, it wasn't as... Uh, it wasn't as decisive. Campbell might not have even been the top guy at that point. Probably not, right? No, but, um... Yeah, we went over there and for a couple races, but we didn't quite have the success. (laughs) But no, that was that was, uh, and then you know, Swell like two weeks later, keeled over on the getting the bath after after galloping. But yeah, nineteen eighty four was kind of a crazy
1: year. I remember my grandfather always telling me that he wanted to take me to Keystone. I went to Keystone. Keystone. Never made it to Keystone. And then it changed names four times.
0: I remember I was in high school and my dad said to me I gotta go to Philadelphia for a meeting but it shouldn't be much more than an hour. Do you want to go? He goes, we can go to Keystone. <laughs> <So I> was, <laughs> oh yeah, sign me up. I was like, oh, what about school? Ah, you can miss a day. Okay. So um, we, we went down there and uh, he had a meeting downtown, and I found a newsstand that had the form. So, because in New York, uh, Saratoga, you, you couldn't get the form for, for Philadelphia because it was like a mid Atlantic form. So, I got the form and, and sat there outside the, in this big ass bank building and <laughs> read, reading the paper. Probably looked like a truant. Um, I was like 16 or 17. And, uh, my dad came out and off we went go. to keystone and we did really good that day I, I think i used to be better than i am now but um <laughs> chris Hantley was a bug wow julie crone um tony black was old then <laughs> but uh Jonathan shepherd won the feature and um and I had a good day. I mean, this is how good of a day I was. And this is, believe it or not, Keystone had a gift shop. Oh boy! <laughs> yeah. Parks had a gift shop. Now what would they sell? Like, oh boy!
1: Everything. <laughs> <Autograph>. Literally
0: <laughs> everything. Autograph syringes. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, I bought a jacket, a Keystone jacket. Uh, my dad might have bought it. I can't remember if I bought it or he bought it, but uh, I had that jacket for a long, long time. Uh, and then it wasn't that long afterwards they changed it to Philadelphia Park, yep. and then they changed it to parks.
1: I should go they should have just kept the Keystone. Keystone sounds better, yeah.
0: But yeah, that was my one and only time I went to Keystone and <laughs> I went back I, I went back when it was Philadelphia Park I was working for um, was Tom Skiffington went down there and ran a horse in the cotillion before it was a big race and uh, uh, Richard Small, Dickie Small had a horse in, and I think he had a horse, I can't remember if he had a horse in our race or the next race but I was like, man, that guy looks like somebody you don't mess with. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know at the time he had been like special forces or Delta or something in the army in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. But good trainer though, man. God, that guy won a lot of races. Yeah, he broad
1: did. Broad brush. Concerned. That the horse is imprinted in my memory. Broad brush.
0: He was the leading stallion in the, in, in America one year. Yeah. He was, he was he was son of Akak.
1: Akak, yep. Yep.
0: Old Charlie Whittingham horse. Akak was a little before my time. They still have the Akak uh, at uh, Churchill. They were in the Akak in the fall.
1: Fall, oh, right in the November.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I so saw my, my, my man Golden Sixty one.
1: Oh, over in uh Australia. Hong Kong. Australia Oh Hong Kong. He's on yes, the
0: road. That's race number 23 out of 27 starts. They said he might run in Dubai. Oh, that'd be cool. i believe <laughs> it when I see it. I, I, you know, there's two races. the race in Dubai, then there's a race in Japan that they were talking about. I, I would guarantee you that he goes to the Japan race. And doesn't go to Dubai. Let's go from Hong Kong to Dubai and then from back to Hong Kong back. back to Japan. No bueno. Those Hong Kong guys, they don't like the ship, man. I mean why would they for the most part. They have I was like, gonna say is no need to, to A. They have the facilities right there. They have you know uh, racing that's on the up and up for sure. And uh they have uh big money. So I mean why why would you leave? Plus they're geldings. I mean so you're not going to try to increase the, the stud value or showcase your horse as a potential stallion. You're you're a gelding. So you're just going over for the for the prestige of winning. But uh yeah. He's, he's it's funny. He's an Australian bred, but he's got complete American bloodlines. He's by uh, Medalla Dioro out out of um, out of a mare who's by Distorted Humor. So <laughs> I think Distorted Humor won the ACAC, By the way, I'm pretty sure he did. Bring it full circle. Yeah, and that, that's when they used to run the ACAC at seven and a half on the dirt at Churchill.
1: Yeah, I remember you told me that. Yeah,
0: and I, I'm pretty sure that, that Distorted Humor had the track
1: record. At seven and a half, and what? Elliot Walden. Oh, they write races for that distance. Are they I don't just know. A, I don't. They don't measure why. it. They don't know I, where it is.
0: I don't know. I really don't know.
1: I'd like, like to see a seven and a half on the dirt, one turn. I
0: mean, it's kind of like the the uh, what do they call it? A Keeneland the Beard course.
1: Yes, where it's
0: not seven eighths. It's, it's seven eighths and
1: some yards eighty four feet or something yeah, like that. Some was, yards.
0: Just It's just a little more than 7A's. A tad bit. So it'll be interesting if he does ship because like I said, Hong Kong horses rarely ship. And he's, he's going to be... Well, he's 7. It's always confusing to me in the Northern Hemisphere talking about the age of Southern Hemisphere horses. <laughs> because he was born in, in 2015 and it's 2023, so... Technically, that's eight years ago, but because he is on Southern Hemisphere, their January 1st is actually um, August 1st, so, I know, June 1st, no, no, July 1st. July 1st, yeah, so, uh, so, yeah, (laughs) but, hey, any horse that can win 23 out of 27 anywhere uh, is okay with me against the competition that he runs against. It's pretty damn good. No. I just I just happen to be up at 3.45 in the morning. Happens. I yeah. get it. Yep, but uh, some days, there's races like Hong Kong on to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, well, I appreciate everyone listening. We always do appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, we, sure. we know sometimes we go overboard and Shows are long, but you know, maybe you're driving cross country and you're bored. Or maybe you're stuck in traffic. If you live in uh South Florida or mm. Boston. But we uh we do appreciate you listening and um we'll uh, we'll be back next week.
1: Yes we will. And then uh there's a holy bull next weekend, right? Holy Bull and, and then the, Sam F. Uh, Davis the week after. Right. Where you know. Pretty uh, much every
0: week from, from here on in there's there's gonna be uh I think the race in New York's got the New York has got the Withers maybe? Mm. Coming yeah. up. Is it this weekend? So, yeah. No, I think it's next, next weekend. Week. Yeah. And then uh and Then after that, uh the week after that, the fairgrounds will be coming back yes sir so lots of lots of derby action, even if uh a lot of the big names haven't yet been unveiled uh I think cave Rock has yet to work as we hear
1: head into uh, is he gonna pull the corniche?
0: <laughs> I don't know, but uh he has not had a- recorded work either, so. Uh, Forte just had his, but he was on a planned vacation, and he raced. Uh, he started pretty early last year. Yeah, so, he did. Um, yeah, the racing is in full swing. The Triple Crown is. Uh, it's always there's always a whole lot more interest in those races than the normal races. People love it. And, It's one of the big positives of this business. So let's hope we can figure out some of the the issues. Yes, I concur. All right, my man. Uh, We'll talk to you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody.